0: Hey guys, welcome to the show, my name is Kristen, I'm your host and life coach, and this is Modern Day Asians. Vera is a licensed therapist in Toronto, Canada, and the founder of Talk Therapy with Vera. She talks about her upbringing and childhood, being born in Hong Kong, and transitioning her new life in Canada. Vera struggles as a student who most frequently got in trouble with her teachers and her parents for being reactive, and that was a result from her learning that expressing feelings and emotions were looked down upon and that dismissing, ignoring, and suppression emotions were the correct way to manage them. In this episode, we will dive into what intergenerational Trauma means for you. The first step is to be aware of what is currently not working in your life right now. Some of the values and concepts that our immigrant parents have taught us keep repeating the unnecessary habits and patterns that will continue to disrupt the development and growth of your lineage. Your work is to determine what values patterns, and behaviors that you want to avoid and put in better practices in place so that your children can thrive. We can also cover what is an inner critic, where does it come from, and what you can do about it. Thanks, everyone. Hope you enjoy the
1: episode. Thank you for having me today, Kristen. So I'm Vera. I am a a psychotherapist based out in Toronto, Canada, and I also um, am the founder of Talk Therapy with Vera. Uh, I identify as a 1.5 generation uh, Chinese Canadian where I was born in Hong Kong and moved to uh, to Canada with my family at a young age. And I have openly shared about my own obstacles in life, which allow me to challenge and accept myself. And these personal experiences have really allowed me to cultivate myself as a therapist, but also support and also supporting individuals in the Asian community who have had similar experiences of me.
0: Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for sharing. and um, I would like to start with you know, what your upbringing was like. you mentioned that you were um one and a half generation. You were born in Hong Kong, and you settled right now, you're currently in Canada. So what are the demographics like that's there? What's the cultural makeup?
1: Cultural, well that's a well that's a really that's a really good question. I think um I think it's a diverse community. Like there is so many different cultures and people with so many different backgrounds that are actually living out in Canada in Toronto. Um and I think what happened when I first moved to Canada in the nineties, there was more than multiple decades ago <laughs> there was like there were definitely a lot of different like immigrants from different countries are definitely trying to settle in in canada where a lot of our parents including my parents think that by settling into a new country they're saying that they're they're thinking they would they were giving us a good life mm-hmm. yeah
0: yeah and how old were you when you made that move
1: um i was 12
0: 12. wow, wow. Yeah. what a time frame I mean that's your preteens,
1: and such a confusing time They were, yeah moving to a new different country um you know obviously in when I first came to Canada it was actually in February so back then the winter it's much nastier than right now where like there's like really like high snow like up to my knees and and like I had to walk to school with my sister and like getting used to the environment but also at the same time like I had to learn English as a new language so we were doing ESL yeah and at that time in school was tough um not only the new environment but also I was bullied. um I was being I was a victim of bullying in school and it was so it was also hard to figure out who you are when you had that identity established in in Hong Kong and then moved to a new country where I remember like I was sort of like hiding my identity, don't wanting to um don't wanting to share my Chinese name as my middle name as part of my identity back then when I was young. Mm-hmm. Because I think that there were times that other kids were making fun of the way of like my accents, but the way of how I speak English. So that was that identity. I just like pulling back. I'm like, oh no, I don't want to yeah. be scared. Of that yeah, mm-hmm.
0: yeah. I also experienced bullying too growing up. Um, but I was I was in a predominantly white school. What was what was your school like?
1: So when I came, it was it was the second semester. It was in elementary school. So I was actually living in a predominantly um an Asian community where there's a lot of Chinese um, back then for like, for about uh, four or five months. Mm-hmm. And I think at that time, yes, even though that in the school there were like a lot of mixed, um, like mixed uh, ethnicity, majority of them were Chinese, however, but there were also, I think at that time when I, where I was living, um, in that neighborhood, it was more of a, um, what's the words, um, affluent neighborhood. So that there is that, there's that dynamic that like, I'm more, um, I'm better than you because I'm rich and I'm powerful. Mm-hmm. Versus when I first moved to Kent, like when we, we like my friends, we have to, we established everything. So there's that like, oh, okay, well, you know, I'm not, like, I think what happened is that when we first moved here, we were getting, you get to wear, like, elementary school, you get to wear, you, there's no uniform, but where I was in Hong Kong, I was wearing uniform all the time, so, like, I was, like, wearing the same thing, mm-hmm. so, when I moved, I'm, like, oh, it's kind of weird, like, I need to wear, like, different clothes, yeah. but can I wear, like, the same clothes, right, like, the same, like, the same outfit all the time, but, like, but then I, there was, like, a kid, we like, why are you wearing the same thing, over and over again, I'm like, all right, like my mom bought the same thing, like the same shirts, but like in like five six shirt the same size, but like you know, like they were they were just completely different.
0: Yeah, that's such a big cultural change too, because you know you came from like a uniform school, and clothes are a big deal when you're twelve. It's, it establishes like your identity. You know, it's like who do you want to be? What's your style? Uh, yeah, are you cool, or are you preppy, or like, you know, e uh, back then there's this thing called like e e emos or something like that, and you know, punk, or yeah, yeah, you know, different identities.
1: yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: And I also remember too as well like I came from a a poor background as well and I also had one girl comment that I wore I repeated my outfits too much and it made me feel like really crappy inside not because like I wore like the same uniform but I there was a there was an outfit combination that I liked to wear a lot and Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. someone had commented uh, one girl had commented that. And honestly, it's it, like I think about it and
1: I'm like, wow, like it still kind of hurts. <laughs> yeah, of course. Of uh-huh. course. Like, I mean, it's not like I don't wash my clothes. I do wash my clothes. We just, like, my mom just bought me like the same shirts in five, like five shirts, like five of the same shirts. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's not like I don't, it's not like I'm not clean. You know, what I mean? like I think that sometimes I would internalize and I'm like, oh boy, like, what's wrong with wearing the same clothes? right yeah right yeah yeah so
0: but yeah it's interesting you shared kind of like the same the same um experience too I did get some receive some bullying so who were the who were the group of people that you hung out with as you worked your way through school
1: I think that's funny because I also remember there were times that I thought there was a group that um I was hanging out I thought they liked me but then eventually they sort of distanced themselves and they didn't want to hang out with me anymore I have no idea why oh. and then there were time yeah then there were times that when I had to hang out with the younger kids from like different grades because I didn't know why the same grade or like the people they won't hang out with me until I learned um growing up like, as an adult, we were so friends, like you know, from like elementary school and high school that like, oh, the reason why we didn't want to hang out with you because you became too you became too annoying or you became too much. Hmm. And I was just like, huh. I'm like, okay, I don't know what to say. Like it hurts. And I'm just like, oh. Okay. But I also I'm also recognizing that. Why my behavior, like, uh, they identify as a noise. Why my, the way of how they identify my here as a noise. Why it was too much. I think it's because I was trying to seek attention in the school where, like, I can people are paying attention to me. Where, like, at home, my mom, um, my parents had to work, and they were not like physically, emotionally available. So me and my sister were like left alone and doing our own thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's a great, that's a great connection that you made. So in your present day life, have you found like a beauty and darkness to that kind of, you know, that survival coping mechanism?
1: I think now, like as I became older, like I was able to, like you said, I was able to make that connection. It's sort of, I was just like, okay, well, you know, back then we were just kids and I had no idea how kids were being like so can be really that cruel. Right. And 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 then you know that also led me back then when either when they were picking on me and they were like distance themselves from me, they were actually, you know, um, this is gonna be trigger warning. I'm gonna like I'm actually warning all the listeners because it also um how do I say it? It also I don't I don't wanna cry. Sorry. It's okay.
0: Take your time. And also
1: um um let me to like harm myself mm mm-hmm. because nobody like wanting to like be my like no like there was no like there was nobody like like it just felt alone um yeah, like when I was growing up, like i was I had no support at home mhm and then and then when you're trying to turn to school like your friends for support. Like, you can't really lie from with other people when when they were like distancing themselves from me or they're thinking like I have like I was the problem- mm-hmm. right so yeah. yeah
0: yeah it really hurts as as a kid when you have all these powerful emotions and a lot of us are not taught what to do with them you know we just don't have any resources because our parents are are not modeling it for us oh for sure for sure you're kind of left alone emotionally you're like what do I do with with all of this and you start also to start questioning your reality too you're like is anyone seeing me right right pain can anyone stand up for me and see what's going on and protect me so thank you for sharing that um and that kind of goes to like the whole purpose of you know Pablo your 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 mission too is to is to um understand our emotions now that we're adults oh for sure for sure
1: I think a lot of us like you said earlier like when we grew up There were no, there were no, like our parents would like, you know, there's no way for us to express or navigate our emotions. So we were taught to dismiss them. Or then, then when we become, then when we start dismissing our emotion, there's no way of, there's no way of letting it out. Then we started getting triggered and which will lead to like unhealthy, like behavior, like beginning reactive or like start like, you know, because everything is boiling up, so that, and then people they don't understand why you're being reactive. Like why, like well, I think why you why are you acting the way that you are? Um, where I remember like I w- I would often get in trouble. Um, the way of how I how I act. Um, at work and with my colleagues, because I think what happens, I get so triggered and I'm associated. The certain situation at work to my to my home life. Obviously I have no you're not conscious, right? Back then, like you know, when you were younger, no one no one really teaches you how to navigate those emotions. And then then when you when you when you get reactive, then you get reprimand at work because they don't understand why you're acting that way. Etc. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It it all kind of carries over and
1: leads in other areas of, of our lives yeah yeah and then when you get reactive with your family then your family's starting to gaslight you like why are you acting this way etc right I think again like that goes into the whole cycle
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah yeah so can I have your permission to talk about your parents a little bit sure yeah so you mentioned earlier that your parents were uh, pretty distant, and you they weren't really around much um but uh what were the dynamics like was there a certain role that you had to play in your household what was some um
1: I think what happened is that when we first moved here um I think my dad couldn't find a job from what I remember then he had to he was flying back and forth from Hong Kong to Canada, like, um, mm-hmm. you know, to work there and then come back, et cetera. So there were times that my dad wasn't around, but my mom was, but then my mom had to work. And it was just, me and my sister were just on our own. And where I remember like, we had like, I'm pretty sure my sister and I, we were cooking for ourselves and just wait for mom, to come home instead of waiting for her to cook because I'm pretty sure she's tired and we were probably hungry Mm -hmm. so we had to learn how to cook and like learn to make the the basic like learn to make the basic stuff Mm -hmm. um and also remember like during the summertime when there was no school I don't there were we weren't put in like summer camp because I think that we didn't have enough like money you know for me and my sister to go for like extracurricular activities or summer camps so we're just stay at home like watching TV. we were just just really bored Mm -hmm. like um like growing up um and it sucks because like obviously I wasn't the one I wouldn't even tell my sister stuff either like you know personal stuff what I'm going through and she wasn't doing the same so um I think growing up as a kid it was quite lonely Mm. why
0: do you think that was a reason you guys didn't communicate or bond over that?
1: um for like sorry for me like for me and my sister for me and my like my parents uh you and your sister um I don't know I really don't know I think um it's we were really close in age but I don't like I really I really don't know I think it's also I think it's part of our own, like nobody in the family talks about emotions, right? Yeah. Or like, or you know, you know how it is growing up, yeah. So like, or like, ask like how you're doing, what's Mm -hmm. going on with you. There's no that like going in depth and like really checking in with one another. Yeah.
0: Were you the oldest, or she was? Yeah, I'm
1: the I'm the oldest.
0: You're the oldest. Yeah, I do find that a lot of my in the beginning a lot of my like, react family interactions were very like physical or action based so we wouldn't sit there and talk but we'll do
1: activities together does that make
0: sense like we- yes
1: like yeah yeah like, the, <laughs> like yeah like being, like being like being like they were physically available somewhat right but there, yeah. but it's but it's still but as, I as I grew older and become a therapist I've also learned that we as kids really needed that stability like whether it's physical and emotional from our parents to to become more like independent um and and growing up more like healthier Mm -hmm. in a way
0: Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. so did you hear any expectations from your parents while you were growing up like who you needed to be and like what would make them proud did they communicate that
1: with you um well there's that also like there was that always like that comparison between me and my sisters, or like me and my friends, me and my cousins, or um that like why can't you get like why can't you be smarter, you know like that that I think that really learning leading into the inner critic, right and 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 also um you know growing up because you know. My parents had to start from the beginning and and so I think that money component is very important. like you need to grow up, go to university and then find a good job and save right? Like those values and expectation were so ingrained mm-hmm. in us that um that's now it's a, it's like sometimes even I'm like I'm as I'm older now, like there's there's still that expectation that values are still ingrained in my head. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. even though like money is not everything like it doesn't buy you happiness Mm -hmm. are they
0: are they proud of what you're doing now like what do they say about your line of work or do they understand it
1: well first they didn't really understand what I do they I I don't think they still do they just think I talk to people you know they think I just talk to people and solve their issue like no that's not not how it works like they don't they don't really understand but it's funny because I think um I've been on I'm also a media expert. So I've been on like TV interview for like many, many times on different different channels. So I would tell my mom or my dad, hey, like I'll be on TV at this time for this interview. You can either like tape it, type tape it or like watches it. And then like she'll send me a message later, like on WhatsApp, I'm, like, oh, like I watched an interview. You did great. Or like, I like what you were wearing. Or, like, I just, it's weird when they make that compliment to you. It's, like, I don't know what, like, I don't know what to say. I'm, like, okay, thanks, mom. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know how to respond.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because it's, like, you're, like, waiting. Like, for me, that momentum is, like, I'm waiting
1: for an insult or something. Right, right, Um, right, 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 right. But the thing is, because when I go on TV, I, like, you know, I, like I would, it's in English, so they wouldn't understand yeah. what I'm talking about. But yet they're like, "Oh, you're on TV." Like I'm getting, like I guess I'm getting recognized to be on TV. Yeah. And and but then they'll ask me, "So what are you? What were you talking about? Mental health? Like what about men- mental health? I don't know. Like I like I don't know how else. Like I don't know how else to say it, right? Unless like, I could go on like the Chinese like channels and like talk to like say in Cantonese." so hard then maybe like they'll understand what I like what I'm like what I'm talking about but like I actually don't like I actually don't even um like I I understand like I can still speak it. the like the like the bare minimal but if you ask me to like to have like a really conversation like I think I'll just go into like English like I can't I, I...
0: yeah I have that um challenge too as well it's like this language barrier too because yeah. my- my parents are, um, they speak Mandarin. And okay. a lot of times I have to translate things for them. But my vocabulary only extends to so much. It's not the basic stuff. Yeah, yeah it's not like college level or anything. It's probably up to middle school um, capacity. In t- oh, for sure. In terms of for language, sure. because I didn't really get Schooling in it, it was just whatever my mom has has taught me to right, you know, in my capacity. But I do find that the language barrier is like another barrier when we're trying to have serious or like deeper conversations. It's like, well, how? (laughs) I could sometimes I do pull up my like my translator and okay, (laughs) and like translate certain certain like big words into the translator. Yeah, like this is what I'm talking about and you know, a lot of times I'll text my mom and I'll like translate some things into Chinese and then send it over, then send it over to her. But yeah, I mean, the language barrier is like a, another huge challenge, um, when it comes to your relationship with your parents too. Um Oh, for sure. For it, sure. It's challenging, but I'm, I'm sure they're very proud of you.
1: <laughs> Even though- Yeah, I'm sure they are. They probably do tell like, it's funny because like they would, my mom would like tell her sister, my aunt, oh, like, yeah, she was on TV. And like, I think like she would say like, and know that they would say things like behind Outback, mm-hmm. like, you know, but not like, but but the thing is like, what happens, I think we are craving for their validation. But when, we, when they give us validation, it's just like, it's weird. It's just like, it just, it's so weird. Cause I mean, their love language, it's about like um acts of services.
0: Yes. Yes. I say my love my love language currently is still acts of service. As much as I like don't want it to be, I think <laughs> my love language is still the same with my romantic partners. Um Okay. Okay. And I uh what you have mentioned earlier, like the comparison thing, I mean, really just tore me into sheds and um we can go to into inner inner critic if you're okay yeah
1: yeah yeah yeah, talking yeah. About,
0: like what that really means but um you know when we're talking about like the comparison thing I it actually drove I feel like it actually drove my relationship further away from friends and family because I saw them as competition and when you see yes. someone as competition yes. you yes. see them as the enemy of the state <laughs> I mean, like oh for sure those guys for are sure. your enemies so for sure um it, yeah that definitely affected like my sibling relationships I feel like my younger siblings didn't feel that but I felt that but I was the oldest okay. one okay, um, okay so I heard like a lot of the comparison thing comparison with cousins um friends and family like I, mm-hmm. I really kind of created that emotional distance because right right i didn't want to become too attached and compared yes. yes so what was would you say that's how you feel to when you felt compared to
1: um or like i think i just become very angry like don't compare me <laughs> to like other people like to other kids because like they're like i'm me they're dumb like you know you, you know um <laughs> and 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 I'm different, but I think that what happened is that they think then i I think when we have the inner critic that really impacted my self esteem that like I'm not good enough, no matter what I do, it's never good enough mm-hmm. for them, and sometimes I still think that like my inner critic is still it's still um comes on when I'm like, oh, I could have done this better, or like okay, I need to like strive for more. Mm-hmm. like I need to chase for the next thing now now I have death now I need to chase for the next thing yeah
0: yeah so what does your what does your inner critic sound like is it a certain person's voice um how can you describe it
1: um yeah I think it's mostly just coming from my mom's voice mm-hmm. um whenever I know I know subconsciously, I know I did a good job, but like consciously, I'm not, like I'm not aware of it. Like I'm not like pumping myself up. I'm not recognizing that. And then um, I would have to um, reflect on like what my mentor and what my therapist would tell me like, look Vera, like you've done so much, like you should be proud of like who you are, like look how much you have grown because I've been in therapy for many years now and I've been seeing my mentor, who's also my supervisor um, in in the clinical setting for many years that, you know, she, they really understand and they really got onto, got to look how my own personal, like intergenerational trauma and inner critic really impacted of my own, like my own um, achievement. And, and, and it's always nice when they tell me like you are proud of me and then I'll start like bawling my eyes out because I'm like okay and I'm like you guys reckon it? that's good but like I don't fucking recognize that okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't rec. I don't recognize it sometimes yeah I think mean, that's the hard part sometimes yeah in general
0: just for general people why do you think certain people's inner critic sounds so loud I think
1: it's because when we grew up um, in our childhood, when we were younger, where we were being constantly being compared, or like, no matter what you do, it's never good enough for our parents, where our parents strive for that perfectionist, or they put their own expectation onto us, that we're not meeting, we're not meeting, like, we're not meeting the standard, or we're not meeting their expectations. I think that's when, that's how our own inner critics become more powerful,
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, which
1: really impacted our own self, our own self, their yeah. own childhood, like their own childhood history, like about how they grew up, like what's happening in the household, but also, you know, why, and also help them to connect, like why are they the way of how they are today as an adult? Mm-hmm. And I've always asked them one question to reflect so when they become very critical um of themselves, like, you know, in gen whether it's in the sessions or very like or whether it's like in general in certain situations. I ask them like, you know, can you help me understand or can you think of can you reflect on like whose voice is it? Yes, mm-hmm. I know it's your own I know it's your own voice, but like let's go back to your childhood and reflect on like who would would discipline you or like who would be very critical of you and they would either tell me like one or the other parent Mm. because I think that's how we learned yeah and that's how we 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 learn to become critical of ourselves but I think a lot of us we don't think a lot of my clients are sometimes people they, they can't make that connection and they don't know why they become so critical, like why they always have to be like perfect or like why they constantly comparing themselves to other people.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think that people can get rid of that inner critic? Is that a possible thing to do?
1: Um, yes, but it's a lot of work, right? It's not just us, like one night <laughs> I can just get rid of it. Right, it is it, it. It takes a lot of work to unlearn that behavior. I think it's also being able to, um, like understand where it's coming, like where's the inner critic? It's coming from, and like it, and and having self compassion of you, like understand, like everyone makes mistakes. There's no thing, such thing is perfect. I think it's having that reality stick in like reframing it in your head then that will help you to unlearn like to become less critical and become more Mm self-compassion towards yourself Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and
0: I like I liked how you mentioned you know a couple ways you could start having that healthy relationship with your inner critic and really it's like the forgiveness the compassion to forgive yourself for making mistakes And, um, one exercise I think that like really helped me change some of that narrative in my head is, is to talk to myself. Like I was a a five-year-old child, um, just like, you know, how you talk to a kid, a little kid or something in kindergarten, um, Mm -hmm. you know, like, how would you talk to some stranger's kid? That's like that little, um, and then that's, that's the reference that I have to use to start changing that
1: narrative uh so one thing that I teach my clients and I also do it myself is I would come up or or and I and I also help my client to come up with affirmation mm-hmm. statements, um and making sure I have examples to back up those statements so for example like I'm I'm our I'm a hard worker, but you also need an example to like back up why you're hard working. Just say I'm a hard worker, but like you have, to, then, then just say it out loud in front of the mirror. And then I'm like, well, you said it, but then like you're having a hard time to believe in it because we don't have any examples to back up why you're a hard worker, etc. Mm-hmm. And with that coming up with the affirmation, like I always, um, like I get my clients and I, even myself, I also practice it in front of the mirror where um. I tell them to practice like two, three times. No, sorry, two times a day, like during their morning and night routine, in front of the mirror, but say those affirmation statement for like two to three minutes. But just start with like something small, but eventually building yourself up. But also, like if you don't believe in the statement, um, then I also like as a therapist, I need to help my client to explore what what is it that you don't believe in it. Like what is it that like what is it that's like, that's having that you're having trouble to 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 do this right? Like I think it's also exploring the because there can be many reasons, mm-hmm. right? It can also be like a lot of triggering where they don't they just want to give up and they don't want to continue it. Mm-hmm. Then I would actually you know have to support them in different ways and different strategies and help them th- helping them to build that self confidence within the, the, Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think when I first did that exercise, it was really hard for me to come up with good things yeah. to say. Like I of think course. I had to ask I think I had to ask like my friends what they thought of me. Like it was act I was so lost in the early phases of my twenties. I was like so lost myself that I I like couldn't even think of anything like great. I mean mm-hmm. other than the traditional values that our parents have taught us, which is like, For sure. be a hard worker, um, be intelligent, be smart, like, like that was just what came up to mind, and that was like what our parents have forced us to value. But like other than that, you know, like right now, I value creativity, I value okay. curiosity,
1: and yeah, I would, okay.
0: I would have never said that
1: when I was right exercise. I would not say, right. say anything like that. But the thing is, is, like there's no right or wrong about your affirmation statement, right. right? Because I think a lot of us we're overthinking it, and I think we want to be in control, thinking there must there has to be like a right answer. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like there's nobody's judging you,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? No. And I think sometimes that when you're judging yourself, and that's why sometimes it's harder for you to come up with your own statement that you believe in it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
0: Um. So earlier you talked about intergenerational trauma. And mm-hmm. that is that is a big, big thing within just like one, anyone who's people of color or um, children from, from immigrants. Can you tell everybody,
1: everybody? It's basically, it's being passed down from like our grandparents to our parents and then our parents will pass it on, on to us. So um, as an example, so when as an example with that that comparison or that or that um uh the comparison how they would constantly compare us to like other kids or like other people when my parents were growing up they were probably they were probably being compared so for example like my mom there's seven siblings like including her so i'm pretty i there are probably a time where my grandparents, her parents don't have enough don't spend enough time in on all of them, like on all all the kids or they pick and choose like you know the favor to them, mm-hmm. et cetera mm-hmm. where um they probably did not get the validation that they wanted or they have that or they constantly they're constantly anxious because they don't know what next so that. So that trauma they had it passed down on to us because I've noticed that I'm also di- I'm diagnosed with like I have a lot of anxiety. I'm also diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder. And my mom has a lot of symptoms, although she has a number diagnosed, but she has a lot of symptoms. And I can see how her behaviors or like her way or how they deal with things will really be passing on to us., mm-hmm.
0: yeah, yeah. I see that. And I see that come over a lot and like some of these like these are coping behaviors right like the anxiety is a coping behavior that um, our parents have developed in order to survive right you think about like the immigration process coming mm-hmm. to the country and not knowing any English there's a lot of high anxiety in that knowing that you have children that you've brought over. Right. And you're worrying about. How am I going to feed these kids? I don't know a, a lick of language, right? That I'm in and I'm, you know, right. I'm away from family, and right. that's just high anxiety, high stakes, survival
1: situation. For sure, for sure, and they have to work like you know, like a lot of them because of, because of the language barrier, and sometimes I think with my with my with my mom, there's no skill, there's no transferable skill. Except like office administrative, except office administrative skills. Um, so they had to like go on the like the lower like the lower end. Yeah. Job, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. So like lower end jobs, I
0: think that's pretty common for like at least Chinese people. It's just like with restaurants. Like we, when my parents came over, my mom came to the states when she was twenty five, and we started a family restaurant, and okay. uh, that was how we made our means is we put our life in sweat and tears into this restaurant
1: mm-hmm. right um, right right
0: where you know i was i was there and i remember doing my homework in like a side booth and we ate our meals there and then when the restaurant closed that's when we get to go home mm-hmm. so um that was that was the life that they had to they had to do is you know um cooking is 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 a valued skill um at least in america there's a taste for asian right, cuisine, right. and yeah that was what they were able to make money out of right or from so that actually kept going down um my family lineage like i've done my time in restaurant business but i'm happy to say like we're I have three siblings, like, none of us are in the restaurant business, and I hope that I <laughs> won't go into that. It's like an extremely hard business to profit in. I mean, of the margins of are like extremely low, but of course, um, but you know, there was a lot of history within like food and culture for us, right? 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 In our lineage, um, but yeah, I would say, like, you know, this again it goes back to like that hard worker value like being resistant and keep pushing and don't complain and like all of that just mm-hmm. i feel like it's a common thread for mm-hmm. a lot of the people of immigrants children of immigrants it's of course sometimes of course. It, it carries over to um like our present day and we're at this point where we're like hang on wait a minute you know we got to check our current situation and just be like is this is this really helping me with my present self like mm-hmm. there's, there's certain mm-hmm. values there that like um yes we saw that as a value and it's taught us lessons like without the hardworking value um and being persistent I wouldn't be here today mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. being where I'm at without that focus in education right without, right right uh, putting in the work. right so oh, for sure But we're in this like wonderful time where, um, especially when we have like two different cultures, this is like something that I'm just super excited to connect with people about, you know, you're in a position right now where, hey, like, yes, we can at least feed ourselves. We have some shelter Mm -hmm. and we're not, you know, in threat of safety, but we get to pick and choose what we like
1: from Eastern and
0: Western cultures. That's That's
1: right. That's right. That's right. That's right. For sure. I think in the beginning when I was growing up, I think I want to get away from my culture. Like I wanna like you know, I don't want to I don't want to be part of the dominant, like the white, you know, the Caucasian, the white culture And sort of removing myself or like I was somewhat like embarrassed, like, you know, like I said earlier, like with my Chinese name, I don't want people to know my Chinese name. Or like I don't want people like to know that was part of my identity. And 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 um it's it's um it's funny because now as I get older, like I'm okay to like say my Chinese name and put it as part of my brand or or that's part of who I am. Like I have nothing to really be ashamed of. Yeah,
0: and that's and that's so beautiful because like for me and my upbringing, I felt like I took a lot of that internal racism and I actually yes. Yes. cautiously made like that mental note. I've said, oh, I did this thing um that's super Asian so I make a note to myself to not do it again Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. if I dress a certain way and and somebody made a comment about it I'll be like okay yeah if I do this I I'm too Asian if I do this Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. I think a lot of that had like became the truth for me but I I, I also remember too like I was born actually in the states but people actually like Pulled me aside and said, "This is how you say this word," and would like enunciate it in front of me so that I wouldn't have an accent. Anymore. Oh, okay. So, so even like school teachers and things like that, they like oh, okay. they correct me so that oh, wow okay. um, my um, accent won't won't be as strong. So it's I've like in my I say in my upbringing, there's like a lot of like like race like a little bit like anti-Asian yeah Mm -hmm. made towards me and like I made that as like part of my identity part of the truth to the point that Mm. even when I um had started university or college that I was like I don't want to be associated with all the international (laughs) (laughs) Asians they're like no I'm not an international um Asian like I'm born in the states so, I'm different than them. I'm different than them.
1: Right, 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 but, right.
0: But I mean, it's just like, come on. Like I look at, back at that and I'm just like, it was such a big culture shock. I mean, not oh, that sure. I I still connected with the international students. For you sure. know, I still talked to them. They invited me to, you know, eat hot pot and and things like that. Like we still bonded over that too, but um but yeah, I mean, I just look at so many of these incidents in my life where I slowly started to like erase some of my Asian identity Mm -hmm, from what for some of the critiques and comments that I
1: got right 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 yeah I think what happened is that when people are start making fun of you about like who you are like uh, like part of your Asian identity that's when you're starting to like no I don't want to like I don't want to be part of that like I don't want to associate myself that I have an Asian identity with them etc yeah 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 Um
0: so a question for you is let's say you know intergenerational, intergenerational trauma really just stems from the, the childhood development and um who your parents are now mm-hmm. what, what would you suggest to listeners who want to have a better relationship with their family but right now they're not receptive to hearing anything they're not receptive to hearing like this mental work or mental health or anything like that what can
1: what can that person do um well that's a really good question that I mean I mean what I mean, I mean that's an interesting point that you brought in, you're bringing it up right because then I'm going to be reflecting back to the to the listener I'm like are you trying to be in control yes I understand that you want to have a better relationship with your parents but in reality right now it's so strained That recognize that they're not gonna change, first of all. Like your parents are not gonna be capable of changing the way of how you want them to be, then you then you need to start reflecting like how can I make peace that they're not gonna be changed, they're not gonna change. And how can I accept that the relationship that you wanted with your parents is more of a more of a fantasy? And how can I come into terms? with that that the relationship that you want might not like I said like might not be coming the way that you want it because they're not capable of changing despite that you're changing you're working on yourself then you really need to find peace and 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 acknowledge that before you before you do anything about it mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah 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 I think yeah that's that part there I think when I was when I was growing up I was like man why can't I just have some regular American parents (laughs) I'm just like why can't I just have some white people's parents
1: (laughs) yeah yeah because why can't I just have parents like how my friends have right like why can I why can't they just be more understanding etc but the thing is it's like don't forget they are experiencing their own mental health issues they just can't they can't be physically and emotionally available Mm -hmm. for you, right? And they don't think, I don't think they will ever be um, available to the way that you want them to be. Mm -hmm. Then I will be asking you, so then are you projecting your own expectation onto your parents,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: right? Like we're craving for that validation, we're craving for like that acceptance for them, but sometimes that you have to work on about grieving and mourning, you know, mourning the the losses
0: mm-hmm.
1: of your your relationship with your parents. Mm. And that's, that's a, the hard part. That's a big,
0: that's a big, uh, that's a big opportunity is to yeah. grieve the relationship that you wanted, what you want yeah. with your parents.
1: For sure. For sure. Um, yeah, I think I think that's the big thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Cause I
1: think what happens is a lot of us they just want to jump through the end without doing like without doing the work. Like they want to get through like the solution, like they want to fix the problem, but without like really processing like the unresolved feelings about like friends and how the relationship is playing out right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm yeah that's a good one
0: Yes. Yeah. Um,
1: so we are
0: coming up on time yeah. and um I wish I had more time with you because I, <laughs> like I talk to you forever um, but if you were to um leave the listeners with a couple takeaways what would you want them to remember um about any of this any of this work Any take major takeaways if they just take away-, away one point what would it
1: be one point um just recognizing telling yourself that you're enough I think that's important that you are good enough Mm -hmm. despite that your parents might never be able to say that to you but you need to tell yourself that I am good enough I recognize that
0: Mm, yeah that's a good one I'm just gonna let that land in the heart everyone take a
1: deep breath and just remember mm-hmm. and just tell yourself that it's i i i, I it's uncomfortable to acknowledge that piece because obviously we want other people. We want external validation. We want our parents to acknowledge that. But at the same time, in reality, they're just not capable of doing that. Then we need to acknowledge to ourselves. Mm-hmm. yes, thank
0: you. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that message. Before we jump off, just tell everyone how they can reach. Reach you, connect with you. What are some ways?
1: Um, so on Instagram, it's uh, my handle is talktherapy.with.vera. Dot with Dot Vera, and then my website it's uh, Talk Therapy with Hey fam,
0: thanks for listening to this week's episode. The biggest takeaway that I want you to walk away with is that you are in a great position to decide. Whether you not, you want to incorporate Eastern or Western values. What we talked about, intergenerational trauma is so relative to any families, um, any children who came from immigrant parents. Do not associate and automatically write that off as something that you don't want to revisit again. This is an invitation for you to take a deep look. What are some of those things? Easter culture, for instance, collectivism, family-focused, filial, piety. Whether you want to incorporate that into something you want to pass down, does that still serve you? Do you think that still um, will help the development of who you want to be? So just keeping that in mind and making mental notes of what you like and what you don't like. The choice is yours. Thanks again. We'll catch you next week.